Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am David Walker, and I am joined by my co-host and my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you? I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't mean that. Um, as usual, we are here to recap the Falcons' latest game, their loss. Oh, man, their loss to the to the Lions, pardon me, in Week 7 of the 2020 NFL season. Um, for those that didn't see the game, don't go watch it. We'll save you that ahead of time. Uh, the Falcons did lose at home to a two and three Lions team. They did have a lead in the first half. So I guess you could view this as another squandered lead. Uh, and they ended up losing the game in the final seconds, 23 to 22. Uh, it, this game is odd because it's a story of many things. I think, Evan, you probably agree. There were some absolutely absolutely dreadful calls by the refs through this game, including an early uh, penalty on AJ Terrell Mm -hmm. uh, for roughing the passer, which looked like an absolutely clean uh, textbook tackle uh, against Stafford that ended up extending their drive. And they scored that, that first touchdown that made it seven to nothing. Uh, What was your main takeaway from this game? Do you think it was the refs and some awful calls? Or do you think the Falcons just found new ways to lose? Uh, my main takeaway early, as you mentioned that, um, it was a bad roughing the passer call, uh, on Terrell, which extended that lines drive. And then, um, I believe it was, uh, Swift that ended up scoring for him. And it was just a, like a momentum killer because Terrell, I mean, I honestly was livid and it took me a while to even calm down after that one. And then there was Mm -hmm. a couple more bad calls, uh, which kind of distracted me past that, but I mean, the way Terrell came in, and folks, if you didn't watch the game, um, you know, I'm sure it's easy for you to find a highlight on Twitter or whatever you use. But it was, I mean, I thought it was clean, about as clean as you can get. At this point, I don't want to go on a huge rant about it, but I don't know what steps need to be taken for quarterbacks to get hit. Maybe they should just wear a different jersey, like a bright, you know, kind of like in soccer, how the goalies wear different jerseys, and you're just two-hand touching them because – Terrell didn't lead with the helmet. He even turned his helmet. Um, Stafford ran up to him and then just froze and took the shot. Um, I I just don't get it. Um, I don't understand how he was supposed to tackle him. Uh, You know, they had the ref on uh, with the commentators during the game saying maybe he should have went lower or something. But it's like, then you go too low. Then then that's another illegal tackle. Um, I just don't understand at what point do we – figure out okay quarterbacks just can't be tackled because that's what the nfl is getting at here um it was a clean tackle in my eyes um i i don't i don't know what more he could do and it was just it just pissed me off because you know it's already hard to play defense you know 
just even to be forget just playing defense, being a cornerback, he comes up, makes a brilliant tackle on Stafford, and then it's momentum killer, first down, line score right after. Um it was it was crucial, man, especially that early in the game. Uh, you know, you're talking about a difference between a loss and a win looking back in hindsight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that said, uh, I, I do think we have to point out because a lot of people have gone after me on Twitter uh, when I said, you know, the refs absolutely screwed us. Um, I may have used a stronger word there, uh, but the Falcons had opportunities and they squandered several of them throughout the game. Uh, we saw some absolutely dreadful offensive play calling again from Dirk Cutter. Uh, second and 13 uh, runs. Come on. Come on. We, this is the crap we've been seeing all year. I think if, if, if there was any hope that Dirk Cutter was going to get better after last week's game, this game cemented the fact that he is who he is going to be, and he is just a sub-par offensive coordinator. He cannot figure out a way to use the talent on the offensive roster. He makes the absolutely most god-awful play calls at the worst possible times, and he consistently squanders opportunities. And you know the the Falcons scored uh, twenty two points today. They probably should have scored thirty plus against this defense, and just couldn't put anything up. So I, I don't want to let the Falcons and the coaches off the hook because this is now uh, you know this is this is why uh, Dan Quinn was fired. Um, I, I think if you look at the defense, I think they played well enough that uh, giving up the twenty three points should not have led to this, um, and yet. Here we are because it's the Falcons. They are now one and six, and they have a short week. They go on the road uh, to play a Thursday night game against the Panthers. Um, God knows that's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun, isn't it? Um, but uh, let's go back through some of the injuries uh, coming in. Obviously, you know the Falcons, uh, as I had mentioned on the uh, injury update podcast, came into this one pretty healthy. As a matter of fact. Um, they had, uh, for the first time in a while, Tack McKinley was back, and I, mm-hmm. I don't think he exited the game. I think he played the full game, although you know, not necessarily effective, but he was, he was back out there. Uh, the only guys they were missing um, for health reasons were Marlon Davidson and John Kaminsky, mm-hmm. who are still on the COVID IR list, and we wish them well in their recovery. Um, but Evan, who were the inactives for this game coming in for the Falcons? Yeah, so pretty much the inactives weren't, it wasn't necessarily health. It's just the number you have to have out. Um, Jordan Miller, uh, Quadri Allison, who honestly is probably going to be inactive the rest of the year unless there's some sort of backfield injury because there's no reason for them to right. have four running backs. Um, Jalen Hawkins, who did end up practicing this week, um, he was obviously dealing with that concussion that he sustained against the Packers uh, on Monday Night Football, but he was practicing this week. So He's healthy. It's just, I guess they just didn't want to risk um, having him out there. Uh, John Wetzel, who you're going to keep seeing on the inactive, um, unless there's yeah. him, obviously. And Deidrin Sanat, who, you know, there's been a lot of questions about because he's been getting rest days during practice for the last mm-hmm. two weeks. Um, so, yeah, he was just, inactive. Yeah, I covered it on the uh, injury update podcast this week. The whole Deidrin Sanat thing is super weird. Mm-hmm. Um I have no, never. We did get a little never, bit of uh, insight, didn't we? Didn't you mention Jason Butt said that it was something to do with COVID? Right. And which. It's still weird. <laughs> it's weird because he played the previous game. Right. And traveled. After, 
Right. So <laughs> if it's if it's because of the potential exposure that he had to Marlon Davidson and, and then not wanting to expose anyone else to COVID, um, maybe you shouldn't have let him play in the previous game. I mean, it's just a, a, a very obscure handling of this player, mm-hmm. uh, really, since they drafted him. That you know, I I don't want to get off onto a Deidre Sonat um, <laughs> tangent. <laughs> that is not what we're here for. But certainly, you know. A, just really, really weird. We may dive into that on another podcast at some point when, you know, uh, but right now we're going to move on. Uh, as for injuries in the game, the Falcons, I think, came out of this one uh, relatively healthy. So mm-hmm. the only two injuries we had, Alex Mack went out for like one play. I think he went off the sidelines and just chewed on some rusty nails for a little bit to get <laughs> uh, amped back up. And he came back in and finished the game. Uh, and then Russell Gage, he. Honestly, I we all it looked like a season saw, ender or something. Yes, exactly. Uh, I thought he was done. They when they said it was a knee injury, I was like, "That is that's a problem." Mm-hmm. And uh, he came back in the third quarter. As a matter of fact, um, he actually had two big receptions on the Falcons' offensive drive at the end of the game. That uh, you know it was the Russell Gage drive, if you will. He looked fantastic after coming back in from the injury. <laughs> Um, so as far as we know, no other injuries. Julio uh, did look banged up as I think it feels, Devin, like this is going to be the ongoing trend where he's going to just constantly need, you know, work on the sidelines and, you know, he's not going to play 100% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. I, I think that probably is just who Julio is at this point. We've seen it in other years where he's just, he comes out randomly and it seems like he's just getting a breather or they're working on his leg or something. I saw him stretching him out a couple times. Uh, you know, he's been dealing with the hamstring injury all year. So that's probably what's going to happen going forward. I did find it interesting that, you know, the announcers throughout the week um, usually talk to the players just to have stuff to talk about. And they mentioned that Julio told them that he was 100%. Last week, he said he was like 80% or something. But this week, he said he told the announcers he was 100% headed into this game. So, you know, 100% to me sounds like you're good to go. And clearly, that hamstring was still bothering him. Yep. Yeah. And I think it, his 100%, I don't think, is going to be 100% anymore is where we're at. And it's still um, more – his, his whatever he's playing at, if you want to say it's like 80 realistically, it's still better than a lot of people. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I've, I've said this before and I think you're dead right. Uh, Julio at 80% is better than 90% of the receivers in the league. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll still take Julio at, at 80%. But I think for fans who, you know, want to see him uh, be his, you know, peak self, I, I don't know that we're going to see that again. Um, so one interesting statistic and interesting may be, uh, the wrong word. Uh, <laughs> one interesting statistic that came out right after the game, the Falcons have had three games this year where in the fourth quarter, they had a win probability percentage of 95% or higher, and they lost all three. It was 99.9% against the Cowboys, 99.6% against the Bears, and 95.9% today against the Lions. So this is one of those games where it really just hammers home how uh, disastrous the the team is. And I don't know what you can pinpoint on at this point. Obviously, the, the defense in the last minute, uh, minute and four seconds, I believe it was, mm-hmm. was just 
like atrocious. And I saw someone, uh, actually, I believe it was Eric Robinson, one of the writers at the Falcoholics, say that the big biggest problem the Falcons defense has and, and what got exposed on that last drive is their ability to consistently generate pressure with the front four. And I think he's dead on. You know, they were not able to to get Matthew Stafford down on the ground when it counted. They did get some sacks in this game, but it did not come from the front four. It came from blitzes from uh, Deion Jones and Keanu Neal. So that front four just isn't getting the job done. Um, and crazy enough, I felt like Dante Fowler had a good game in, in uh, you know, run support. He, he was doing a really good job in that. Um, you know, Grady Jarrett, uh, I feel like is, you know, he's still going to get the job done. But right now, the other guys surrounding uh, Grady Jarrett, they're just not generating enough pressure. And I think the final drive exposed that more than anything. Uh, would you agree that the, that, that, inability to get Matthew Stafford down was maybe what ultimately led to that ending. Yeah. I mean, Stafford's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league that he takes a lot of heat because his offensive lines usually aren't that great, but when you need, need him to make key throws or accurate passes, he's doing that. And we saw it literally mm-hmm. in the last couple minutes there. Um, and he's mobile enough to where he can kind of dodge some stuff. So if you're not sending a full blitz at him or whatever, he's going to do well, just kind of get out of the pocket and still make the big throws. Um, yep. And we learned that firsthand. So <laughs> yeah, we saw that in this game. Uh, so on that note, uh, Evan, why don't we take a look at the statistics from the game? So why don't you tell us what the Falcons did on offense in this game? Yeah, so Matt Ryan had a pretty decent day. He went 31 of 42 uh, for 338 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions, and a pass rating of 105.1. Todd Gurley getting, I believe, 20-plus for back-to-back weeks. He had 23 carries for 63 yards, uh, two touchdowns, a long of 13. Pretty much his best part of the game was whenever the Falcons were in the red zone, and I know we'll touch on it in a little bit, but one of his touchdowns, I'm sure he wishes he could have not scored, as weird as that sounds. Yeah. Um, so looking at the receiving thing, uh, Julio Jones, as we mentioned, he was kind of banged up throughout the game, but he was the leading receiver with eight receptions off of nine targets for 97 yards. No touchdown, but uh, the longest one was 28 yards. Um, Calvin Ridley, if I have to say there's three, like if I had to pick three people this year who have really flashed for me, uh, especially young players. It's Foy, Alukin, uh, Terrell, and Ridley. I think Ridley yeah. has just kind of separated himself. I know he had the one game against Packers where he basically just laid a goose egg, but um, you watch how he runs routes, how he's catching the ball and making sure his feet are in bounds and stuff. Uh, tremendous. But he had five receptions, 69 yards, a touchdown. His longest went for 27. Um, Hayden Hurst early was getting a lot of action. He had seven targets for six receptions, 68 yards. Russell Gage came back after what I thought and you thought was something serious. Um, when you see a player down wincing in pain, you kind of know like something's up, especially when it's involving their leg. Uh, but he finished with six receptions, 54 yards. Um, you know, the offense, the, their problem was they weren't scoring. I mean, that's kind of generic to say, but uh, you look at the score throughout the game. It's like they the only time they scored was when they shouldn't have. But yeah, you, you know, three minutes left in the fourth quarter, <laughs> and they only have fourteen points. Um, and then they score on accident. So that's the kind of day it was for the Falcons. 
Yeah, it's it's another one of those games. And a um, buddy of mine, Andrew Hirsch, who used to work for the Falcons, used to write for the AtlantaFalcons.com, uh, he just tweeted out, and I want to share this on the podcast. He said, I'm confident the Falcons are committed to rebuilding the right way, but they have utterly broken their fan base. The mild reaction to what should have been an agonizing loss speaks volumes. It will be uniquely difficult for the new regime to win trust. Uh, I think that was incredibly poignant. Um, Andrew, I don't know if you uh, li- how often you listen to this podcast, but uh, great, great words there, and I think you're dead on. Uh, you know, I was frustrated by the loss, but you know, Falcons are one in six. I think any any clinging hope to the idea they're going to turn the season around uh, was dashed today. They're one in six. The chances of them winning nine straight with Dirk Cutter as an offensive coordinator are slim to none. Uh, and you know, it's frustrating, but. Right now, this feels like a team that at most is going to win two or three games. Even with the road win last week, uh, they just have too many issues on defense with no pass rush, on offense with an offensive coordinator that loves to run on second long. Uh, There's just too much here to overcome. And honestly, that's probably what we need. We probably need uh, to go into the next uh, era of Falcons football with a new GM, a new head coach, with uh, a, a pick somewhere in the top 10, hopefully. And, you know, this is the team that if they're going to lose games like this, they, they honestly, even with what the refs did in this game, the Falcons did nothing to help themselves. And losing 23 to 22 is sort of uh, indicative of what this team is right now. And, and, and that's just my opinion. You guys may disagree. Um, as for the Lions on defense, what did they do on defense? They, uh, it's interesting you brought up Matt Ryan's stats. Uh, he did have the one sack fumble, um, and I think that was you know one of the turning plays in the game. Obviously, uh, Jake Matthews got blown up. Um, I believe it was I believe it was Trey Flowers that recovered it. Uh, it may have been Romeo Aquara who uh, actually forced the, the fumble. Uh, and actually, on that note, Aquara had two sacks on the day, uh, and with one of them obviously being incredibly timely with that uh, the sack fumble. Uh, Daryl Roberts led them with six tackles. Uh, and of course, Trey Flowers had the uh, fumble recovery for the team. Um, and honestly, this was one of those games where defensively, you know, I, I don't know that the Lions did as much as the Falcons just shot themselves in the foot offensively. Mm-hmm. And with, you know, like I said, just inconsistent and terrible play calling. Uh, and, 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 and at times, to be fair, Poor execution, uh, whether it was dropped passes, uh, you know, uh, inaccurate passes, um, just a whole host of issues across the board that ultimately led to this subpar performance and ultimately a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we go on to the next set of stats, uh, what the Falcons did on defense and what the Lions, Lions did offensively, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... 
It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker. I'm joined by my co-host, Evan Birchfield. We are recapping the Falcons' Week 7 loss to the Detroit Lions at home, 23-22, and it was Another one of those Falcons losses for those who've been watching this season. Yes, they had a fourth quarter lead. Yes, statistically, they should have won. And yes, they <laughs> lost in the most dramatic fashion in the last second. Um, Evan, why don't you tell us what the Lions did offensively that ultimately led to this game? Um, Stafford had 25 completions for 340 yards, a touchdown. 108.6 passer rating. If you notice, him and Ryan's you know, passing days were very similar. I mean, it, uh, in total mm-hmm. on offense, they were very similar. Because um, you look at the rushing rushing net was 64 for the Lions, 66 for the Falcons. Um, passing net yards were 322 for the Lions, 322 for the Falcons. Like, they were right on par with each other. Um, they didn't really have a whole run game. Uh DeAndre Swift did pretty well, I guess. He had nine carries for 27 yards and a touchdown, a long of 13. Um, They tried to get Adrian Peterson going, who just couldn't get going against the Falcons' uh, run defense. He had 11 carries for 29 yards, a long of seven. Um, And then you look at their passing game, which, you know, that's usually the Achilles heel for the Falcons. Uh, Kenny Galladay had six receptions for 114 yards, a long of 29. Marvin Jones, who's been kind of quiet for them had five receptions for 80 yards. Uh, Danny Amendola had three receptions for 62 yards. And I mention it every week, whoever their t- the opponent's tight end is, because Falcons always struggle against tight ends. And this week it was TJ Hawkinson, who unfortunately got this you know game-winning or game-tying, I guess you could say, uh, touchdown. Um, he had five receptions, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it's a tough – you know, thing I, I, I do want to. I know you talked about the Falcons. Um, you know, you're going to talk about the Falcons' defense, but the thing that surprised me the most with this whole thing is how I thought the Falcons' defense did well throughout the yes. game. Um, I, I even tweeted it, with the and, exception of the last drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I even tweeted it before that last drive, um, mentioning how the Lions have scored in every game this season 21 points or more. And at that point, the Falcons had them to 16 points. Like the Falcons defense, folks, I know the last drive, you know, obviously is what people are going to remember. Yeah. But they had the Falcons offense in this game. The Falcons offense is what ultimately lost the game. Um, but in the end, you know, the Falcons are going to Falcon no matter what they're at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if, if Gurley did just fall down, that's the game. But, I'll let you uh, talk more about the Falcons defense. No, honestly, I think you're dead on. And I don't want to harp too much on what that collapse was at the end of the fourth quarter. Um, I do think, again, you know, to what Eric said on Twitter, um, that was 100% an issue with pass rush. And that continues to be a problem. Mm -hmm. But 
the rest of the defense, to your point, I think was exceptional through most of the game. You know, multiple times they forced three and outs or they killed drives early. They had that key fourth down stop. You know, basically uh, the Lions could have walked away with field goal and they they went forward on fourth and one and they shut them down. Mm. Um, and we saw a lot of plays like that during the game. Uh, as for the defense, you know, some of the guys that stood out to me, number one, um, AJ Terrell, I mm-hmm. thought, you know, that penalty he got was complete garbage. Uh, that was a fantastic hit that uh, shouldn't have counted. Um, he actually, his coverage is exceptional. And I know some fans are going to be frustrated with the play that he gave up to uh, Galladay down the right sideline, but he was all over him. He was in perfect position. And that was just one of those situations where Galladay made an amazing catch. But we're seeing this more and more where Terrell is, he is constantly around the receiver he's guarding and he is, he is growing into a number one corner before our eyes. And this is in, I want to point this out. This is in a season where as a rookie, he did not have a true rookie training camp. They didn't have a preseason to get him you know, up to speed. He missed a couple of games due to going onto the COVID list. Mm-hmm. Like he has an uphill battle and, I would say, you know, you said it earlier, and I'm going to agree completely. He is one of the young players that's really jumping out to me as as being a potential star for this team for the next 10, 15 years. Really excited about how he he played today. Um, Keanu Neal, uh, 10 tackles. He had that one explosive sack mm-hmm. where he was shot out of a cannon and dropped Stafford, I think, for a nine-yard loss. He also had two tackles for loss on the day. He was an absolute stud. He was nailing guys left and right. He looked a lot more like the Keanu Neal of old than what we have seen really for the past, this entire season. He was hitting guys hard. Um, You mentioned another name. Foye Lukun had uh, four tackles, five assists. Um, He has really come along this season. Really excited to see his development. Um, Deion Jones, another player last week was phenomenal. Our top, I think he was our top graded player of all the Falcons. Uh, one of the only ones with an elite PFF grade, if I remember right. Um, he had a sack and two tackles for loss. Um, it, it, so like you said, you know, it this defense actually for 98% of the game played well. They played well enough that the Falcons should have been able to win this game. And as you said, and I do want to point this out because I think it is actually a critical point. If the Falcons... Um, after they had had that phenomenal drive with th- three minutes left, if they had simply taken a knee and run that clock down to two seconds, brought on um, Koo to punch in a very, very short field goal, they walk away with a win. Mm-hmm. And instead, you know, and I feel for Todd Gurley because you, I think – You know he knew to do it. Oh, he knew. Yeah, it, and it was clear yeah. the way he sort of – he. <laughs> He like fell over into the end zone. Yeah, you know, it just and, broke the the plane of the end zone. Um, and yeah, as soon as that happened, I literally I tweeted out the, the Lions are about to drive down the field for for the touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's you could almost see it coming, right? Um, but it, it, honestly, again, in that situation, the Lions have no timeouts. You have a minute left. Just run down the clock. Take a knee, even if you do want to run it, just take a knee and run down the clock. And then all of a sudden, Gurley bursts through and he's not expecting it. And he he trips into the end zone for a touchdown. Oh, my God. That is that is mind-blowingly Falcons. 
Like that is so Falcons. And it set the defense up for what will ultimately be the the game-winning drive for the Lions. And a lot happened on that drive that I think was outside the Falcons' control. But they did play pretty well in this game. And I feel like there was a time where simply giving up 23 points would have been a major victory for this defense. And this one is one of those games where I, I, I feel like you have to go back to the offense and what they did and what they didn't do uh, more than the defense, more than that last drive. Um, even though it did expose some issues across the board, I think we had plenty of good plays. This this team should have gotten the victory. Uh, the defense did their job for the most part. And just a complete failure from, uh, honestly, from not just the offense and the offensive game plan. I think Raheem Morris made some key critical decisions that were pretty poor in hindsight. Uh, as an example, um, going forward on on fourth down instead of punching in the short field goal. That field goal would have kept the Falcons in the lead. Obviously, they would have won this game. Um, so a lot of stuff like that just added up to what is sort of the defining characteristic of the 2020 Falcons, losing in dramatic ways when they should have come out with a win. Um, I will say this. I want to add this on as one key, one additional point. Um, football has a funny way of re- reversing back to the mean. Um, things that happen statistically in one season that are way outside the norm tend to not happen repeatedly. And what that means is, you know, the Falcons now have lost three games where statistically they had over a 95% chance of winning all three of those. If you give the Falcons those three wins instead of one and six, they're four and three. And that would indicate a roster uh, that is not bottom of the league. And I think that if you look at the roster, if you look at it objectively, I think you can make a strong case that they're not a terrible roster. And there's probably for the next head coach or GM that comes in, there probably is a lot to work with. As you mentioned, Evan, there are a lot of young players that I look at and think uh, a coach coming in, he's going to like having a, a Foyer Luakun. He's going to like having a Deion Jones. He's going to like having an AJ Terrell on defense. He's going to like having these pieces already in place, uh, which makes me think that even though they are just getting devastated um, with these crazy losses over the long term, I think this actually points to a roster that a coach and a GM coming in are going to look at and say, we can work with this. There are some good pieces here. We don't have to blow everything up. So um, any additional thoughts on that, some of the decisions that they've made? I know I've talked a lot here. <laughs> I hope no, I'm not good. drowning you out. <laughs> uh, anything you want to follow up with on? Uh, no, I just wanted to add also, you know, like you mentioned some key names on defense, a new coach coming in who has Calvin Ridley, who has taken a huge next step. Um, you look at Hayden Hurst, who's I mean, that one that one play he dropped the ball. If he, he was held like twice um in the end zone, he would have caught. He's like super athletic. He hurdled a guy yeah. and you know, you got a young tight end like that who's athletic as hell. Um that's something to look at. Russell Gage, you know, it, out when he's not injured is out there making flashes. Uh, there's a lot on this team to be excited about. And even then if you're coming in and you're looking towards the future, you have Matt Ryan, who's clearly not going to cost you games. Like he's still a serviceable quarterback. Um, you have Julio Jones. I don't know what the future holds for Julio, but let's say he plays two or three more years. Um, you have a veteran 
Julio Jones, who is a leader in the locker room, who isn't going to just lose you games. And that's something a, a new head coach is going to look at. Um, you know, Todd Gurley, who knows if he's going to be back or not. But, you know, I, I, I think that's where an offensive coordinator or offensive mind comes in at head coach. And they can kind of play around with that and think, okay, I want this kind of running back or whatever. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, overall, when it comes down to it, when it comes to April, and we're all sitting around going, you know, oh, we have the, let's pretend the seventh pick, you know, it's a shame we didn't win that Lions game so that we could have the <laughs> 11th pick. Like, we're not going to care at all. Right. It just sucks Great right point. <laughs> like, it just sucks right now. Um, yeah. You know, and at this point, we might even, we sh- probably will be higher than seven, I believe. So, you know, even better if we're like, oh, we're at the fifth pick, man. If we would have beat the Lions at one time, we would have been at the 10th pick, you know. Um, you never want to see your team lose, especially in a fashion like this where they just do stupid stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. It's just like, I don't know. It's like they just can't lose normally. Like they, right, right. <laughs> like if you're going to lose, just just not score as much points. But no, it's got to be something that is going to be talked about all week by the national yeah. media leading up to Thursday night football. Oh, let's talk about that Lions game. Like, yeah, let's talk about the Lions game and the Dallas game and yeah. Bears game. Yeah, leading yeah. up to Monday night football against the Packers. You know, it's, yeah. that's all they talked about. So it is what it is. Um, the the overall thing, and I've mentioned this to you. Uh, before too is you get rid of Dan Quinn that's cool but it's like spilling a drink on the couch like there's a stain on this team everybody who isn't Dan Quinn is still here Dirk Cutter is still here exactly um Raheem Morris you know not necessarily a problem or anything because the defense has looked better these last two games but he's still here um everybody's still here it's just Dan Quinn and Dan Quinn wasn't doing anything aside from talking at press conferences. He wasn't calling offensive plays. He wasn't even yep. calling defensive plays. So how can we expect this team to all of a sudden be better? Dan Quinn wasn't the problem. I mean, he was a pr- part of the problem, but he wasn't the problem. So yeah, not by himself. Clearly. I, I think, um, I think that's the the shame of this thing is he's taking the heat for it. You know, Dimitrov's gone, but Dimitrov wouldn't call in plays or anything. He's a general manager. So why would anybody, you know, realistically expect this team to do different stuff? They're still going to lose, you know, dumb games like this because why not? Like the same people are still here. Yeah. Yep. I think that's a, a fantastic point to end this on. You know, like you said, getting rid of Dimitrov and uh, DQ was necessary. Uh, I think this is, it was absolutely necessary, but to your point, uh, and I can't say it any better. All the other guys that are coaching this team are still here. So ultimately I think the Atlanta Falcons need a culture reset. What we are seeing is now sort of ingrained into the players, into that clubhouse we need someone to come in, GM, head coach, all the way down, clean house, uh, re-examine the players, and establish a brand new mindset, a brand new way of doing things, get these guys to sort of drop what is ever in their head that is carried over from this, and start anew. And honestly, this loss probably ensures that that at minimum – we're not going to retain any of these coaches at this point. I cannot imagine a world in which Arthur Blank looks at this game and says, you know what? 
I think I'm going to keep Dirk Cutter around in 2021. <laughs> That's not going to happen. And I'm actually grateful for that. Um, so this is, uh, it, it, in the end, this is going to be a game that we'll look back on, just like you said. And we may end up saying, you know what? It's actually beneficial that we lost it in that way because it sort of cemented the need for permanent and, and you know, complete change across the board for the Falcons. So also we're uh, not even halfway through with all the shit that's (laughs) happened this season. We probably won't remember this because it's probably going to get worse. I mean, if we're looking at trends, like, (laughs) like, I mean, you look at the Cowboys game, you look at the bears game, you look at this game. These are probably the three worst losses and we're not even halfway through. So, I mean, there's still plenty of time to distract us with some other losses. So, Absolutely. And, and Evan, you and I will be here to recap oh, every last sure one of them. sure will. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they pay us the big bucks. That is exactly right. So, <laughs> on that note, my friend, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield, uh, writing at the Falcoholic with all our other talented staff writers who aren't me and DW. Um, and you know, win or loss, we're all going to be here. Win or loss, we're all Falcons fans at our core. So, you know, this kind of stuff, it hits us hard too. You know, we're, we're just as pissed off and kind of, uh, emotional, I guess, to certain, you know, certain degrees, but, um, it's a long season, you know, just in, I guess, enjoy it. I don't, I don't know what to say at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Just be glad there's football, I guess, because. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I want to say something yeah. optimistic, but like it's not even halfway through, and they've kind of like drained it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's oh, I've got no answers, folks, except that we'll be here every week to talk about this team and the games and whatever the hell they throw at us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as for me, guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicBW. Updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod. And of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Evan Birchfield, this is Dave Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk with you next time.